I don't have any criticism for any way that people handle their multiple sclerosis diagnosis or their journey. You will find so many different ways to do things that are out there, but I just hope people take a solid foundation first from known and reliable sources before venturing out into that wilderness of MS and deciding what it is that you want to do. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Hi, everyone. It's Laura Koloskowski, your host for MS Diagnosis Journey podcast, and I'm excited to have a special guest with us tonight, Anita Williams. She's from Colorado, and Anita and I are familiar with each other because she is closely connected with the work that I do at I Conquer MS, which is a participant-driven research organization looking at finding ways to accelerate research and get results to people who have MS. Anita has agreed to share with us today her story on her diagnosis. So without further ado, here is Anita. Hi, Anita. Hi, Laura. Um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you and all the work you do. And it is absolutely a privilege to be here. My multiple sclerosis journey started differently than I think most people's. I did not have a lot of the symptoms that I have heard other people living with MS have. I didn't have foot drag. I wasn't going back and forth to the doctor for various ailments and not finding an answer or finding an incorrect answer. My journey started on a Saturday night when I had a nosebleed. It wouldn't stop, so I had to go down and have it cauterized. And that was an interesting experience in and of itself because it felt very much like it looks in those sci-fi movies where they put the packing and they just shove it in your head really fast. Well, that's important because a few days later on Tuesday, I was doing my usual routine and I saw that my face was swollen. And I was like, okay, took the packing out. Maybe that's what the problem was. And I remember brushing my teeth and having difficulty spitting the water out, but I didn't think anything of it. I talked to my mom about my face being swollen. And she, along with Medicaid nurse, encouraged me to go back to the emergency room to have it looked at, even though. I felt like I didn't want to waste uh, resources in there. I went back and the physician told me that my face wasn't swollen. The other side fell. And that's usually an indication of a stroke. But because I was just talkative and just going a mile a minute like I normally do, he said, you know, we don't think it's a stroke because I wasn't showing any symptoms. But they wanted to do a CT scan just to be sure went in, did the scan, came back out, and he said, okay, great news. It's Bell's palsy. We have medication for that, and just take this until it's done, and eventually, you know, you'll be fine. However, we see something else. Would you mind taking an MRI? And I was like, oh, fine, I'll do an MRI. I was really lucky and fortunate that this particular hospital had gotten a new MRI machine seven weeks before, and it was one that would accommodate someone with 
um, an extra large body um, like myself. And that was an incredible gift because it was to my understanding that people who are um, morbidly obese, there are places where they need to go to the zoo, the actual zoo, to have an MRI done because there is no machine large enough to accommodate them. Oh my gosh, Anita, I've I've never heard that about MRIs. Yeah, before. that's that's what they that's what they had told me, um, and and what I'd read. So I'm just happy that I avoided, you know, that humiliation of having to do that. Went into the MRI machine. I'm in there. I'm actually, you know, chilled, relaxing. They're piping in music for me. Um, I chose hair metal because it's the least irritating '80s hair metal. <laughs> like it, I know. Otherwise, I feel like I want to, you know, switch the channel. So I say, let me find something where I'm not going to be the MRI machine and get mad because the song came on. I'm laughing because the very first MRI I did was on a back injury and they turned the music on and it was country western. And I did my best to listen to it till finally I pushed the panic button and said, no. You have to stop this music. Get me out of here! And they stopped the music. So, yeah, seriously, that was that was my 1980s experience with an MRI. Oh, was, so, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing that uh, that that they don't think about that when they're putting you in that machine with your you know wonderful Silence of the Lambs, you know, sing on your face <laughs> because you're trapped. You can't go anywhere. Exactly. So, the, so, so anyway, you had your '80s hair hair metal music. Oh, um, and then you know, and and I got like an ACDC back in black favorite song. I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> it's not great. So I came out, and I was sitting on the exam table, and he came in. And he was very matter of fact, which for me was a blessing. He came out straightforwardly and said, we think you have multiple sclerosis. First, you are not going to die. Next, I see that you have your phone with you. Why don't you take a moment to look a few things up while I go finish some paperwork and I'll be right back. And for me, that was absolutely perfect because he didn't horribleize the diagnosis. He didn't give me what I call the Jerry's kids look, which you have to be a certain age to understand. Right. But yeah. he, <laughs> he didn't give me that look of, of pity and concern and, oh my gosh, you know, your whole life is over. Whoa, is me. He didn't. And I, that was, I thank him for, for not doing that, for making it very matter of fact. So it didn't drive me into a panic. So before this time, were you familiar with multiple sclerosis? No, um, not really. Um, although, and it's funny, I was saying this to my mom earlier, and I really had never shared this. Um, but um, this was in October when this happened. I was sitting on this incredible love seat my mom made just for me, and I was doing some schoolwork, and I had a little arm drop. And for some reason in my head, it was like, oh, I wonder if I have multiple sclerosis. I swear to you, I have no idea where that thought bubble came from. I don't remember being familiar with multiple sclerosis at all or arm drops or anything else. So all I can think of is that um, it was something that I had passed in reading or something else because it absolutely came out of nowhere. 
Um, And so I'm sharing that with you because it sounds really crazy. I've never mentioned it before. But yeah, it was one of those really weird things. And I have no idea where in the world I would have had that idea or thought or anything else. So it was very strange. Um, So the best thing he did for me was to be matter of fact, but then also telling me, you know, you've got your phone. Why don't you go ahead and just do a little research? And that was the thing that started me on the MS journey that I'm on as far as advocating for research. Um, It was just a perfect coincidence of things. So I remember taking two photos, which I still have, because I was kind of facing the corner. So I can tell you what time it was when I had my diagnosis done. and everything. So that was the beginning of my MS journey. But the so thing how, long, that, how long did it take really from beginning to end finding out you have MS? It sounded like it was um, fairly quick, just like over a few days or a few weeks. Um, uh, oh, the, oh, but my diagnosis, it was, uh, it was like, two, I would say it went from a nosebleed to, to MS in two and a half hours. <laughs> that, yeah. And it just, it honestly was just, it was, it was, a, it was a shock. Um, I remember walking back to the van because my mom, I picked her up early from work and she was in the van. And I remember thinking to myself, holy blank, how am I going to walk back and tell my mom that, hey, um, you know that nosebleed thing (laughs) that I went in for? Well, you know what? I have multiple sclerosis. Congratulations. You know, um, I did call my brother and say, Stephen, how am I going to do this? I actually do not remember telling her or how I did. But that was the very beginning of my MS journey was nosebleed, going in, coming out, and just, you know, walking that distance from the emergency room through the doors, just, um, I think at that point, just feeling really, really blank. So your diagnosis journey was so short and so brief that uh, it hit you before you had a chance to even be worried about it or consumed with this idea, it sounds like. So since you got it so quickly and you say it really turned you on to this whole idea of research, what have you done since then? And what would you recommend people who are on their own journey for MS and their diagnosis that they should consider? And that, that part of research literally started sitting on the exam table because one of the things that I did at first was look up research, actually multiple sclerosis and African-American because I wanted to find out being, being a, a black woman, what specifically did they know about MS in people of my population? And when I did that and I went through Google Scholar, the research in that area was severely lacking. It was just sort of, okay, what do we know? So then I went back to the drawing board to look more about MS in particular and just how it affects you, the functioning, just trying to take in as much information as possible from as many different resources as possible. And so through that, I really got into research. What are they studying? What are they looking up? What are clinical trials? What's research? What's all of this stuff that goes into helping one to find a cure, helping to find um, methods or disease-modifying therapies that can be helpful? So that's how I started. 
what I would recommend for anyone else that's doing that is I do recommend reading as much as possible from various sources with a caveat. You have to be careful where you get your information from. Google Scholar is a great place to start for research information, and sometimes it's really hard to slog through a lot of that. But if you look at different research, they usually have an abstract at the beginning. And the abstract is just a summary of all these things that are inside of that particular research. So I would recommend when you're doing your research and you're looking at scholarly articles, you can just read the abstract because that's just a summary. Um, or you can do that and you can skip all the way to the end for the summary of what it is that they have to say. When it comes to regular research, uh, as far as regular Google, I would recommend starting with, frankly, organizations that we know about. The Multiple Sclerosis uh, Society, uh, Multiple Sclerosis, the MSA. <laughs> the, the Association of America. Thank you. See, that's cogfog right there. <laughs> <laughs> we all suffer it. And as you're saying it, I'm going, hmm, which one's she going to pull out first? Because there's such great organizations that we have here in the United States of MSAA and MNSS and yes. MSF. And after a while, it turns into a jumble of alphabet soup. But it all comes, it all comes back to multiple sclerosis and those initials MS. Yeah. Yeah, and those are, and I would definitely start with those known, reliable organizations and entities, because the last thing that I would want anyone to do is to start researching multiple sclerosis and jump into a discussion that people might be having on their own webpage, uh, jump into articles that are people perhaps just giving commentary, um, jump into places where people are making comments and 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 considerations and all of those things and, and pick up on the wrong information. And the wrong information doesn't mean uh, people's various ways of dealing with MS, but information about, oh, you need to take this particular drug and it's going to cure your MS. Or if you eat this particular way, you're going to be cured and everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, you just need to approach those things with a healthy bit of skepticism. So that's why I say start with the conventional organizations and the scientific research. Because once you have that solid foundation, then once you go out and explore that entire world of, of MS opinions, of which there are everything from A to Z, um, every opinion about what causes it, what you should be doing, if it can be cured, who has it. Once you have that solid foundation, then you can take the knowledge and be able to go and soak in knowledge from other places, from other people, but being able to have a keen eye towards being very cautious about what you do. So definitely don't go on Google and type in something for multiple sclerosis and then automatically jump into, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, just, to, just be careful in what you do. I don't have any criticism for any way that people handle their multiple sclerosis diagnosis or their journey because it's very, very individual. And each person has obviously their own story, but they're also charting their own path. And um, if there are people, and I know several people who follow a particular way of eating, 
because they feel like that is the thing that works the best for them, that helps them manage their symptoms, manage relapses, or slow down progression. That absolutely works for them, and they have faith in that, and they believe that. But you have other people who are saying, no, I don't want to do anything for my MS. I'm not going to take any DNTs. I'm just going to let it fly. I respect that decision as well. So that's the, 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 the thing that goes hand in hand with research is that you will find so many different answers or ways to do things that are out there. But once you have that solid technical knowledge and foundation, then whatever path you choose to take to manage your multiple sclerosis is the path that you can take. But I just hope, just hope people take a solid foundation first from known and reliable sources before venturing out uh, into that wilderness of MS and deciding what it is that you want to do. I think that's great advice, Anita. And again, I'd really like to thank you for taking the time today to share with us your journey. I'm just shaking my head that you went from nosebleeds and difficulty brushing your teeth to having an MRI and knowing that you have multiple sclerosis in such a short period of time and that you've grown through this process and learned so much about not only living with the disease, but yourself, and you've got great wisdom to share with others. So thank you again. And on behalf of the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast, this is Laura Koloskowski saying thank you. Be sure to subscribe to all episodes and have a great day. Mm-hmm.